Hey, it's Matt. Did you know that in addition to listening to great stories of innovation on our Growing Greater podcast, you can also watch really incredible stories too? That's right. We're proud to partner with NBC10 on the Growing Greater Philadelphia television program. The most recent episode, it has some of the coolest stories about innovators and educators who are transforming our collective community and their industries, including a story about one of the largest solar facilities in the country. Be sure to tune in for that story and so much more. NBCPhiladelphia.com slash news slash Growing Greater Philadelphia. Stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11 county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. So, we've had the pleasure of interviewing leaders who are creating new ways of working and delivering remarkable outcomes through novel and cutting edge research and new ways of tackling problems. From the life sciences and advanced manufacturing to harnessing new online tools and so much more. Businesses, large and small, they're evolving. Academic leaders, they're breaking down barriers. And the traditional ways of working are constantly being redefined. There is, however, one aspect of business and of life that remains timeless. From the colonial times to the roaring 1920s to the classic sleek look portrayed in the hit television show Mad Men to today's approach of smart casual, stylish fashion in the workplace, it really matters. From formal business suits to the more relaxed styles of today, professional attire makes a statement. And recent studies published by Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and Business Insider all support the notion that dressing for success not only matters, but has a correlation to success in the workplace. These studies suggested that individuals who wear nicer clothing to work actually feel more confident, and their clothing even affects their ability to think more creatively. As founder, president, and CEO of Henry A. Davidson, master tailors and image consultants, Brian Lipstein understands the impact a person's appearance has on his or her personal life and on their professional life, too. As the only male certified image consultant in Pennsylvania, Brian knows how to help clients think about who they are, who they want to be, and the environments where they work and play, ultimately helping them plan the style and their attire for the future they want to create. Brian talked with us about how his consultants not only guide clients through a world of tailored shirts and suits and more, but the underlying psychology of the how and the why we dress the way we do. Here, Brian explains what his company specializes in. Well, the short and easy of it is I make custom men's clothing but that doesn't really encompass the whole story. We pair image consulting with custom tailoring, and I define image consulting as dealing with appearance, behavior, and communication. For us, obviously, that hits highly on the appearance, dealing with the clothing, also on the communication for any sort of nonverbal communication through what your clothing portrays. But we also get with our clients down to a level of psychological depth that deals with a little bit of their etiquette, whether it's networking or dining etiquette, a little bit about how to write emails and really get them thinking where and what impression they're leaving on any audience they might be in front of. So you've given this a lot of thought, clearly. 13 years worth. Absolutely. 
So appearance, behavior, communication. A lot of folks don't really think about their clothing choices, their initial image appearance, I don't think, that deeply. How did this evolve within you? So this is a point that I struggled with in college and started the business when I was a student at the University of Pennsylvania in 2005. And it was a point of something that I didn't understand. So I had never owned a suit. I had been able to get by with sport coats and slacks for Mm -hmm. any sort of dressier occasion up to that point. And here comes time for job interviews. And a friend of mine, while I was in school, had three generations of master tailors on his father's side of the family. Okay. So when it came time to get a suit made, I was fortunate enough that my very first suit I was able to have made. And I asked a lot of questions going through it because I never understood the difference between cheap suits and expensive suits. To me, they were the same thing with a different price mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. Maybe a different brand, a little bit different fabric, but going from 500 to 5,000 was quite a jump for to me, a label. Right. But as a 17-year-old, as a 23-year-old, and somewhere in between there, there wasn't like this unusual appreciation for, you know, the nuances of fabric. Not at all. Yeah. So I didn't have any sort of fashion sense, style sense. In fact, I started the business. I have two sisters. Both of them said, who's going to let you dress them? (laughs) Uh, And now they send me all their friends to be dressed by me. So that tells me I've done something right. But It really was as I went through the process and working with the tailor for my first suit, I asked a lot of questions about what makes your suits different. And he really gave me an education from a tailor's perspective, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't so much able to guide me in terms of a style and the purpose I wanted to use the suit for. So I had a specific purpose being my upcoming interviews for the jobs I thought I'd be pursuing. And then as I went through the experience, had the opportunity to actually pursue this as a startup while I was an undergrad at Penn. And Penn has a a program called VIP or the Venture Initiation Program. Right. It's open to any undergrad or grad student currently enrolled in the university. And they really look to foster and support entrepreneurship on campus. So applied to that program, was accepted with a basic business plan and spent The next six months, the final six months of my college career, really developing and testing this plan. And in those six months, it got to a point where I said, all right, I'm going to give it another year. I was dedicated to really trying to to give it a shot. Right. And yeah, within that year, then it grew more legs. And here we are 13 years later. Right. Right. Very exciting. Yeah. But take me back to that Wharton Venture Initiation Program, the VIP program at Wharton. That's not what you went to college for. You went into college with a particular mindset. What was that, if you did have one? Sure. So I always thought I would end up in the business world. Mm -hmm. I had a fascination with numbers. So I thought I'd be in finance or accounting, or I would go into some sort of management training program. But I wanted to be business-oriented in that field. So... I kind of get to do that now. I wear pretty much every hat at my business. So I do control the books. I control the management. I have a team and a staff in my store. And it's been an amazing learning experience functioning through all of that and learning how to hire somebody, learning how to fire somebody, learning how to look at financial statements and make our projections from there and make decisions based on actual data, which is one of the things that our initial professor at Penn always stressed. 
It's not, I think that, it's the data shows. Right. And so the venture program was really a key part for us in starting the business, giving us support and office space and you know all the basic office needs. But on a month-to-month basis, we had professors meeting with us and tracking our progress and helping us set goals and keeping us accountable. So without that element to it, I don't know that we would have seen quite the same success because they really helped steer us in the right direction. So, folks, that's Brian Lipstein. He runs an organization called Henry A. Davidson, Master Tailors and Image Consultants. And, Brian, I want to come back to a couple of the uh, areas that you touched on, and I'm really intrigued by what I would call the foundational essence of any organization, and that is the name. If you could share with us a little bit more insight on the name Henry A. Davidson. Absolutely. So Henry A. Davidson was a gentleman through friends and family. We had found and heard stories about him always being well presented. He was a merchant marine in Norway during World War II and then moved his family to the United States, remained in politics. But whether it was his business circles or his social circles, people knew him for always being put together. So that's not always in a suit, even though that was really the uniform of the day. Mm -hmm. It was was normal for men to wear a suit every day. But even if he wasn't in a suit, he was paying attention to the details. His clothing fit well. And so in coming up with a brand, I did not want to name it after myself because I hope that this one day becomes much larger than me. And so the stories about Henry really represented what we were trying to help our clients achieve after working with us. When they leave, they have that same notoriety of paying attention to the detail. Absolutely. And when was he with us? So I don't know the exact dates of his life. Again, these were just stories through family and friends. But I I do know that it was through World War II, and I want to say probably into the 1980s, 1990s maybe. Okay, yeah. By the time I heard the stories, he had already passed away. Right, gotcha. But it's a nice honor in an indirect way to him that you've kept his image, almost his brand, and you've brought it to life. You've more than kept it alive. You've actually brought it to life. Absolutely. And a couple years ago, somebody from his family actually reached out and said, hey, we're cleaning out a closet. Would you like to have some pictures? Nice. (laughs) So we've uh, actually heard from the family over the time and uh, received some old pictures of him, which was really nice. That's really nice. Are they from... the greater Philadelphia region? Not that I'm aware of. So I think the family at this point was in New York, Mm -hmm. uh, but I think when he was living, he was in Florida or somewhere else in the South. Gotcha. And just to shift gears slightly, you are from the greater Philadelphia region. Tell us a little bit more about Brian Lipstein. So I grew up in Malvern, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I went to Great Valley High School. From there, attended the University of Pennsylvania for my undergrad. And I always worked hard, so I knew my senior year I wanted to have a lot of fun before I had to exit into the real world and set myself up to be a part-time student my final semester, essentially with six-day weekends. And that's part of how I ended up getting started with this. I had a lot of time on my hands. I said, Mm -hmm. let me not just be a bum. Right. Let me give this a shot. And for four or five months prior to graduation, really started building what's now Henry A. Davidson. Nice. And you had a milestone moment in your life, if I understand it correctly, based on what you've shared with us. You happen to have a good friend who came from a family of three generations of tailors. Had you not met that friend, had that person not been part of your life, do you think you'd be where you are today? I would highly say no. Right. (laughs) I mean, I was never interested in tailoring prior to that. And I you know, really wouldn't have any entree into you know, the exploration of trying to find anything on this realm. If I hadn't met him, the tailoring would be external to me. Right. You wouldn't have been exposed to that 
aspect of an industry, if you will. Exactly. And I'm still, I don't consider myself fashion oriented. Really, we work with our clients based on style. So what fascinates me and what makes me tick my why as to what I do is I really enjoy helping other men who struggle where I struggled. Mm -hmm. And that was understanding pattern, color, fit, style, design, and what's appropriate for my body and my personality. Mm -hmm. So really, we work individually with every single client. We sit down and we talk to them about who they are, what their job position is, what role they're in, what role they want to be in. Mm -hmm. Are they commanding respect from subordinates or are they trying to gain respect from superiors? Mm -hmm. And you know, what's their path? Along with that, we talk to them about what they do for fun. Are they going out to sporting events or are they more going to the theater? Do they sit at home and watch TV shows or do they go out to the movies? Right. That all brings personality into the way we design clothing for them. And it's really that deeper psychological level that interests me in being able to help somebody achieve and put forward their best self. That's really insightful because it is, from my view, a somewhat of a subjective process that people go through when they're picking out clothes and they're trying to figure out, is this color, is this pattern? Do I like this? Does it fit me well? Does it match this? And to your point, most of us don't have any real formal, what I would call training or exposure to that world. So you're kind of going with instinct and you're going with gut. So what, Or you're relying on a salesperson. That's right. I was just going to say. job is to sell you, right. not necessarily help you. That's um, right. Good distinction. Because I was going down this path of you're relying on somebody who you trust and you have a confidence in. And to your point, not everybody necessarily has your best interest at heart in what you're getting ready to dress in, but they have the sales and the transaction that comes first. And it sounds like you guys flip that around and say, let's learn about the person and then match the person and their needs, their desires, their styles with what is best for them. Exactly. And so if you walk into a store, you're shopping through ready-made clothing. You only have so many choices and options, mm -hmm. you're going to settle somewhere, mm -hmm. whether it's the way the garment fits. If you get it altered, you can only alter it so much. So if you need more work than can be done, well, you're going to get closer, but you're not going to get quite to what fits you properly. Right. Maybe it's the weight of the fabric. Maybe it's the quality of the fabric, the quality of the make of the garment. Maybe it's the color, the pattern, or maybe you just bought the same thing that the guy sitting next to you at work bought too. That's and right. There's no individuality to that. That's right. So not only are you spending a lot of your time, if you can't find it at the first store you go to, going store to store to store to find what's right for you, but you're typically going to sacrifice somewhere. So for us, it's about educating our clients. Mm -hmm. We want them to understand the differences in the quality of construction, the differences in the quality of fabrics, and then what the proper fit and style for their body is. Our options are endless. I have somewhere in the range of 30,000 swatches of cloth that can be styled between 20 different style elements, all different ways. Mm. You have another 300 options of linings to put on the inside. Oh, and if that's not enough, we can take a picture from your iPhone and actually make a collage lining with pictures. Wow. That's fully custom. Right. And you have combinations that you can mix and match. So if somebody comes to me, I'm really truly building it for them with the perfect fit, the perfect design that creates the authenticity to allow themselves to be themselves. Mm -hmm. And the way we do business is building trust with each other. Mm -hmm. So if I get a feeling from you because of your clothing that your clothing doesn't match you, do I believe the clothing? Do I believe you, what I see, or do I believe what I hear? Right. 
we want to align all three of those elements. So you get me. Right. This is me. We're going to build trust. We're going to do business together. So speaking of that, and folks, that's Brian Lipstein. He runs a shop called Henry A. Davidson, Master Tailors and Image Consultants. And Brian, how big's the shop? I mean, you just said people get you, but there has to be other folks, I suspect, who are helping you to be successful. How big's the shop? And is there more than one shop? And where is the shop? So our shop is located one block behind Rittenhouse Square at the corner of 17th and Spruce Streets. Mm -hmm. We're up on the second floor. It's a private showroom. We see clients by appointment. So you're getting personal attention while there, and you're not having other people shopping around you that Mm -hmm. are going to be distracting or listening in on personal conversation. When you walk up the steps, it's like walking into a living room. The first thing we do is sit down on two leather couches. We have a bar if you would like a cocktail. Mm -hmm. We have a beer, whiskey, or most people just take water. But all options are available, and we want it to be a very comfortable setting Mm -hmm. uh, for them. So for quite a while, it was just myself. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I've tried to hire over the years, and we finally have a good core team now. Mm -hmm. So it's myself and three full-time employees with me. Mm -hmm. We have a full-time tailor in the back. And I have two full-time out front, mm-hmm. helping me sell and process orders and contact clients and really just run operations. Right. And I hope I'm not putting you on the spot with this question, but are you actually doing any tailoring directly? Do you sew? Do you kind of operate any equipment, if you will? So my tailor had to be out for six weeks last year. And when he was out, I was doing some of the basic adjustments, but typically I don't have the time Mm -hmm. to learn the craft to the level that would be required. Sure. I'm very fascinated in it now at this point and somewhere down the line, if I have the whole operation running on its own, I would love to come back and apprentice as a tailor. Yep. Yep. Share with us a little bit more about the role that the spouse, the partner, others who are around the gentleman or the person who's desiring to be a gentleman, the role that that kind of center of influence for them plays in this process, if any. I mean, I suspect there are spouses and partners who come in with their husband or boyfriend or partner to be able to provide some guidance. So, and again, the way the showroom is set up, it's to be comfortable for one, two, three, if you're coming in with a spouse or a group of friends. Some of our clients bring their children, you know, to sit through appointments And quite often, as they get to end of high school and college age, they bring them in for the education that we give. Mm -hmm. But the spouse or the partner is certainly integral. They're the ones who are supporting at home. And every guy is different. So some of our guys dress themselves completely. Some of our guys are dressed completely by their spouse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so if the spouse is involved in any part of the decision on the budgeting and the spend Mm -hmm. or learning exactly what we're trying to put together for the image, then we request that they actually come with them Mm -hmm. and so that they get the education and If I teach the gentleman and he goes home and tries to teach the wife Mm -hmm. why he just spent so much money, Mm -hmm. usually something gets lost in translation. Sure. (laughs) And I get a phone call back saying, Brian, I just can't uh, pull the trigger on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. (laughs) We're going with one, not four. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they get excited and as they learn and they start to form this foundation, it's an overwhelming amount of education. Mm -hmm. So we try to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. We try to spread it out with the gentlemen as they come in for their multiple fittings. Yeah. And we try to repeat. And the feedback we get from the guys after they've seen something for the first time and then they leave they say, oh, I noticed somebody the other day was wearing that detail. Mm-hmm. Or I noticed uh, how badly that guy's suit fit in the office. Right. And I noticed how good my boss's suits fit now. And they often go home and 
look at their own closet and say, wish I had known this before. Right. <laughs> now I can't wear anything else that's here. You know, we're fully kind of invested with them at that point. But I would say building a wardrobe is something that should take place constantly and consistently. Mm-hmm. You don't build it overnight. You, know, you want to add one or two pieces per season, mm-hmm. keep it fresh, keep filtering in new items. And when you buy quality, the quality will last you a good 10 to 20 years as opposed to buying quantity and the cheaper items, which are built to last you one to two years. Right, uh, right. So you may spend more, and that's where we have to sometimes educate the spouse. Right. You spend two, three, four times as much, but you're getting anywhere from six to 20 times the lifetime out of a garment like that, and obviously the value translates through there. Absolutely. And you're much more than just a tailor. As your name indicates, you are about image, and you're about confidence, and you're about style, and you're about psychological kind of place setting, if you will, in the hearts and minds of not only the person that you're interacting with, but their circle, their spouse or partner, their children, their parents, et cetera. And one of the things I'm most intrigued about in the type of work you do, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, is the surprise that some people ultimately achieve by experiencing the work that you and your team at Henry A. Davidson deliver. So I guess my real question is, what are some of those things that cause a guy who comes into your shop the most surprise? The most surprise. So it's different, I guess, for every guy. I would say most of our guys that are caused the most surprise Mm -hmm. are guys that come in kicking and screaming, saying, I hate to shop. Mm -hmm. I'm not a shopper. I hate shopping. Right. We take them through our experience, and by the time they leave, they say, that was amazing. That was so much fun. That was really cool. So I they want, haven't even, I want to do it again. They haven't yeah. even gotten the product yet, and you know they're already loving it because we're creating an experience for them. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not a, all right, get you in, get you out, which a lot of tailor shops are. The first thing you do when you walk in the door, they're going to put fabrics in front of your face. Mm-hmm. I don't know what fabrics to show you if I don't know you. So right. you know that doesn't make sense to me, but that's what a lot of shops do. Right. And so the experience alone, I think, surprises them because they're so resistant to walking into a retail store, having to sort through racks, having limited options, and then having somebody come badger them about, oh, this looks great on you with just a little nip and tuck to it. You know, we can make it perfect. And they think, well, great. That's better than anything I've had before. But what they don't realize is when we measure down to an eighth of an inch, how perfect perfect can be. Right. And you shouldn't feel it on you. It should be a second skin. It should move as you move. And it should be extremely comfortable to the point where most guys take their jacket off when they get in the office. There's days I don't take my jacket off all day long. And you don't even know you have it on. Nope. Yeah. It doesn't even phase me. I'm sitting working at a desk, computer, keyboard, bending over, measuring guys, yep. know, climbing up on a ladder to change light bulbs. Like I said, I wear all the hats. Right. So I still do that. And uh, you know, I do it all with a jacket on some days. Let's try them on. Okay. So here, I'll give you this. Let me take your coat. Give you the pants. Trade. See you in a second. We're visiting Brian's shop in Center City, Philadelphia. It's a thoughtful, tasteful space that's welcoming without being intimidating. We listen in as he and his team of skilled consultants provide guidance, ideas, and insights on what may be just the right look and feel and fit for a client. How do they feel? They're pretty good. A little smoke in the... In the, in the thigh? Okay. Not so much in the thigh, so they feel like they're pulling. Right okay. through the seat? Okay. Right through the seat. Give you a little bit of room there. No detail is too small when it comes to the craftsman at Henry A. Davidson. From the pocket square to the socks, 
each consultation is tailored to the unique needs of the client, needs they may have never even considered before, from the color or pattern of a sport jacket, for example, to the cuffs or no cuff style of their pants. So it'd be interesting not seeing a cuff like on the bottoms literally 30 years we'll be back with brian in just a moment and first let's learn about the team at coral homes coral homes is a boutique hotel experience like none other providing customized services and thoughtfully designed travel accommodations at coral homes guests experience designer living high quality comfort state-of-the-art technology and 24 7 top shelf amenities for authentic and extra special accommodations make your next day in philadelphia at coral homes for a night a week a month or longer it's coral homes learn more at mycoralhome.com that's mycoralhome.com now let's get back to our conversation with brian about his timeless shop henry a davidson Brian, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your role, which ties into your industry around career wardrobe. A long time ago, it was new in the business, I guess around 2008, and the government was running a program called Cash for Clunkers. Okay, sure, I remember remember that. that. Yeah, yeah. They were trying to take old cars off the road and give you an incentive or a rebate on purchasing something new that was more efficient. I took the same concept and I did it with suits, and I had found an organization in Philadelphia at the time, the organization I worked with was called Men's Fit. They also still exist and do great work. But essentially, we incentivized our clients and their networks to donate a suit, get a tax deduction, and then we incentivized them with a discount off of a new suit. It worked incredibly well. We ran that for you know two or three years and maybe collected about three or 4,000 pieces of clothing, Wow! which we donated to the organizations that outfit men in transition coming out of the prison system, trying mm-hmm. to get off of welfare looking for employment, but they couldn't walk in looking the part or feeling confident. And so these organizations really work with, you know, these at-risk men to try to get them back on their feet. Right. Skip a couple years and Career Wardrobe, which has been around now for almost 25 years, and about 20 of those years was predominantly geared toward women, Right. reached out to me and said, we want to start working with men. Yeah, we want to start a men's division. Yeah. yeah. So would you come in and, and help train our staff on, you know, we're going to start simple shirts and ties for men. Yeah. How to tie a tie and how to pair a shirt and a tie together. Mm-hmm. And so I helped them launch that program. And ever since they've been after me, you know, to join their board. Sure. And uh, growing my business has just said, I did board service early in my career. I need to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a point where I have a reliable staff that mm-hmm. uh, helps me and gives yeah. me a little bit more time to, again, give back to the community. So Absolutely. You're at a place where you can do that. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And that's got to be enormously satisfying to help somebody who's really in a position that is just ultimately really challenging, coming out of incarceration or not having access to some of the things in life like education and other social connections that allow them to necessarily be as successful, at least not as easily. They certainly can be successful. And for you to be able to influence that has to be super satisfying. It is. And there's multiple levels to this. First of all, you already have a red mark on you, right? Especially coming out of the prison system. Sure. And whether somebody knows that or not, if you walk in looking like you just walked off the street, you're not going to get a job anywhere. Right. So we're judging people all the time. And especially in an interview, if you're up against the competition, that's high judgment zone. And so we want to help the men first of all, look the part so Mm -hmm. that that judgment goes into a positive manner instead of the negative. 
the other side of that is how the men change. So most of these men maybe have never even worn a suit. Maybe nobody ever told them they should wear a suit to an interview. Mm -hmm. And so when they come in and go through the the career programs and at the end of the career program are almost rewarded with a free suit Mm -hmm. and it's from head to toe, shirt, tie, socks, shoes, belt, full outfit, Mm -hmm. their personalities change. Their confidence improves. It's the first time they've worn a suit. People start responding to them differently and they realize okay, you know, it's a little bit in my head, my past, because the person in front of me doesn't know my past. Mm -hmm. And they're not judging my past or guessing my past because I don't look like I came from there. So incredibly rewarding. But then if you look at it from a community and a city development standpoint, most of these individuals are on public assistance. Mm -hmm. They're not contributing to the tax base they're taking from it. So if you can turn a man into an employed gentleman, and now he's not on public assistance or not taking as much and he's also now contributing back to the tax base the ripple effect that has on our economy for our city really is tremendous absolutely it's a magnified multiplier yeah for sure the last piece of it is just the role models in the neighborhood so a lot of these gentlemen you know don't know how to be a father and now part of that is them not feeling worthwhile right so if they can't hold a job they can't support themselves how are they going to support a family all of a sudden, they start supporting themselves. They become you know, reintroduced to the home. They become a father figure or a neighborhood mentor, mm-hmm. even as somebody who did wrong, paid their time, mm-hmm. came out, turned their life around. And now that's a role model for the social capital in the neighborhood as well. It's a true virtuous circle. Mm-hmm. Someone starts to care about them. They show them that they're worthy and worthwhile. And in turn, they start to care about themselves. Yep. And then in turn, they start to care about others. It's really, uh, to your point, a really positive ripple effect. And it's amazing to think as simple as a suit, which we maybe take for granted on a daily basis, could be a turning point in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So the work that you and your team at Henry A. Davidson are doing in that world is really tremendous. And, And I know that's not why you do what you do every day, but what a great opportunity to have that path to pursue that complements your, what I would say, full-time, you know, nine to five, okay, six to 10 probably day in running a business. Because you're really an entrepreneur first, you're really a business owner first, depending on, regardless of what industry you're in, you're running a business. And here you are able to give back to those in the community who really need that help and support and that expertise that you can provide. Absolutely. And I've always lived by a mantra of communities build businesses Mm -hmm. and businesses build communities. You can't have one mutually exclusive of the other. That's right. There are plenty of businesses that don't give back to the community and are not necessarily well-liked. It's not about being liked. It's about, for me, what feels like a civic responsibility of, I wouldn't exist if I weren't in the community that I'm in, Mm -hmm. and I have a duty to give back to it. Absolutely. That's a really great way to look at it. Very smart. Brian, I want to talk a little bit about your role as an entrepreneur. As we were talking earlier, Mm -hmm. that's really, you know, what you are at heart. You just happen to be in the image consulting and the master tailoring space. And you got your start, as you mentioned earlier in our conversation at the University of Pennsylvania, you were going there for your undergrad work and you stumble upon this entrepreneurial venture initiation program, VIP. What do you tell a young person today who's thinking about starting their own business or maybe they're just graduating high school and they're not sure what path they want to take and that guidance when it comes to entrepreneurship? So I love entrepreneurship and I talk to you about this all day. (laughs) One of my favorite pieces of advice to give somebody who's thinking about starting a business is evaluate the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Make sure there's a market for it. Make sure that you can 
sell whatever you're selling, whether it's a service or a product, to the point where you can earn a living and make sure that there's a demand. So if that exists, then start forming a plan. Everybody says the business plan is a, a foundation. And you have to realize there's a couple different types of business plans. So depending what you're trying to do, if you're going for funding and financing, that's a certain type of business plan. But generally, I would say work on a plan that sets a roadmap for yourself. And a lot of entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs would say, okay, I'm going to work on this plan, but I can't start the plan until it's perfect. And so I would say it's a working plan. You know, you have to work, write the plan, test it change it, write the plan, test it, change it. Right. And I can't tell you how many times I've shifted or pivoted, as they Mm -hmm. call it, you know, in where I thought my business was going. And ultimately, I still want to come back to our initial goal, which was to control supply and have that quality and time and vertical integration. Mm -hmm. But I went away from that for a long time. You know, we have as much control as we can within our means of producing but finding tailors in the United States today is extremely difficult. Yeah, so, for sure. So that's a, a, just an example of work the plan, plan the work, work the plan. Right. The other side of that is fail to plan, plan to fail. Gotcha. And so that's really where it starts is you, you have to roadmap for yourself or you're kind of shooting blind and you don't know how to evaluate whether it's working or it's not and you end up wasting a lot of time and money just to find out that you aren't making enough to support yourself and ultimately grow something that could be scalable that somebody might be interested in buying one day or investing in. Yeah. And in that spirit, I want to pivot to talking about planning, to your point. Where do you see Henry A. Davidson, master tailors and image consultants in the next three years, the next five years, the next 10 years? So we hit a big milestone last year that's going to allow us to start accelerating our growth, I hope. Mm -hmm. The next growth stage for me is to actually start forming workshops and seminars and come into companies to start teaching the employees. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do some corporate consulting coming in, you know, really helping them understand the importance of image, understand the importance of a, a nice, well-defined dress code that doesn't leave anything open to interpretation and help the employees understand that the dress code is a minimum suggestion mm-hmm. and that if they want to dress better than the dress code for themselves, that should be okay. Right. Management will actually look favorably upon that in most cases. Right. But it's understanding image and it's understanding what's appropriate and who the audience is and also how when you prepare yourself, how that affects your day through the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. That'll take me to other cities, hopefully. Right. Start to build a little bit of a kind of ground base on the cities with the clothing Mm -hmm. and then eventually open up other stores. So five to 10 years down the road, I'd like to have stores in maybe three to five other cities around the country. Mm -hmm. And just depends on how we want to grow that, if it continues to grow organically, or if we get to a point where we want to go seek some investment funding and roll out three, four, five stores at a time. But for now, it's just primarily organic is what I want to follow. And if I don't have to take somebody else's money, I don't want to. The creative business approach that Brian Lipstein is living through his work at Henry A. Davidson Master Tailors and Image Consultants, it's helping people in ways large and small. And it's just one of the many stories of the innovators and the entrepreneurs who are transforming how we grow personally and professionally and that we have featured on our Growing Greater podcast. Find stories that are right just for you by visiting selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. 
Hey, it's me again. I hope you can join our Select Greater Philadelphia team for our annual Breaking Ground program. It's where we showcase development projects that are revitalizing and transforming our greater Philadelphia neighborhoods, towns, and cities. You get an insider's look at amazing projects, including the transformation of Market East in Center City, Philadelphia, the reimagining of Pottstown in Montgomery County, and how an investment in civic space is planting the seeds of growth in Trenton, New Jersey. It's set for Wednesday, June 12th, 8 to 10 a.m. at the University of the Sciences on 43rd Street in the University City neighborhood of West Philadelphia. We have free parking, great breakfast, and with you attending, along with scores of other academic, business, and civic leaders, it's sure to be a can't-miss event. Register today for Breaking Ground at chamberphl.com events. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast.